0: Welcome into the DNVR college podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm and I'm here for the first time in way too long with Justin Michael and uh, today we're going to be talking about COVID stuff. Uh, In case you guys haven't heard, it's getting bad again, Uh, specifically for college football programs, which is kind of a weird thing that's popping up. And then we're going to touch on some of the stuff at UCLA, um, Mike Gundy, all sorts of stuff. Uh, But first, the real important question on everybody's mind. Justin, how are you?
1: You know, I'm doing okay, all things considered. Like you said, it's it's been kind of disappointing with the COVID stuff, but I guess that was to be expected given you put a bunch of college kids together in tight spaces and all that and expect it to go well. But you know, I'm doing all right, playing a lot of video games, finally found a new place to live. I don't know if you've uh, had to go through the process of looking for a, for an apartment during a pandemic but yeah, it's hadn't. a big pain in the ass. Oh no. It's just hard like the it's you can't like get schedulings. like I, I'm trying to tour places cuz you don't want to just sign somewhere sight unseen. Yeah. And it's it's this whole big process especially when there's people like current residents that still live there. And I get it, you know, I wouldn't want a bunch of strangers coming in and out of my place either but man, what a pain.
0: Seriously. I can only imagine. Um, so I know for me personally, when all this stuff kind of started, like the COVID stuff back in March, it was kind of like a week by week thing where like the first week I was like, Oh no, what is even going on? Then the next week it's like, this is going to be the end of sports for a long time. And then there'd be like A glimmer of hope and it was just kind of back and forth between like oh yeah football season will be fine or i mean it might be 2021 before anything happens i have just gotten over like a month of being pretty much just optimistic like the whole time it's like okay nba is coming back nhl is coming back football is not even going to be touched but now for like the first time in forever i feel like i'm starting to doubt the college football will get every game in or there'll be fans or like all that kind of stuff. The, the needle is just kind of moving back the other way for me. How do you kind of feel right now?
1: I think a little bit of both because I definitely agree. Like the last six weeks or so month to six weeks, I was feeling a lot more optimistic just given it felt like we had a lot of positive momentum. It felt like things were kind of like heading in the right direction. People were taking it seriously, wearing masks. And then I don't know, it became this, big cultural war thing, which we're not even going to get into that, but it's just, I, I want to be excited for sports. And I, it's like the the part of me that's like, you don't want to just live being down for the next couple of months. It's like, it, it's still in the possibility. You knew that when everybody got together, that there was going to be positive tests. Like it it would have been impossible to not have some. I think what's really concerning is that you're seeing people, you know, test negative negative. And then, you know, just a couple of days later, testing positive and skyrocketing. And that's where you really get into how tough this is going to be logistically to make all of this work and function, especially if you want it to be as close to like a traditional college football season as possible.
0: Yeah. And it, it's what makes it so tough is that we haven't been here before. And that's kind of why there's this roller coaster with every bit of news. You can't look back and say, Well, the last three times this happened, it was no big deal because this is also new. And there hasn't really been a precedent set for, you know, what does it take to shut back down a a school's athletic facilities? Like, is that 50 positive cases? Is that 10 positive tests? Like, nobody really knows. And we're still kind of figuring this out. And that makes it almost impossible to read anything into it. But, you know, Clemson is probably the big story now. They were able to open their athletic facilities on June 8th, I believe. Um, But they released their results from the first round of tests on June 12th. And on June 12th, they had three people test positive two football players, one basketball player. And they just released that they had their next round of tests. And in this round, 21 more football players tested positive for a total of 23. That's a huge number, right?
1: It definitely is, and it's like, as much as you want college football to happen, it, that's very alarming. I think contract or contact tracing is going to be really big when it comes to stuff like this. And you know, I'm not, I'm not a epidemiologist, and oh, I'm really? definitely not an expert <laughs> in this field. But I'm just, I think that's where it's really going to be interesting. Can these universities? Figure out, you know, what, what the source is, where it's coming from, and then react quickly enough. Because obviously, with Clemson, it's a great example of it. Only takes, you know, a couple of days for things to really, really escalate. And how, you know, strict they monitor all of this. It's just going to be so crucial.
0: It, it is, and again, we we don't even know what the lines are. You know, the, the NCAA put back their or put out their return to normalcy or what, whatever they called it. Um, That must have been about a month ago now. And they talk through all the different phases of like when you could open and the signs they're looking for. It's like, well, if there are 14 straight days where the new cases are declining, then you're good to move to the next phase. And a lot of those benchmarks are based on the community. So like if we're talking the Rams, for example, it's like based on the Fort Collins guidelines, the Colorado guidelines and the guidelines in whatever county Fort Collins is in because I'm not familiar Larimer, oh, inter- oh, like Larimer Square. That like guy Larimer's must have been Square. important. That man must have been <laughs> important. Whoever Larimer is, I'm gonna Google that later. Um, but uh, when you see all that, you're like, yeah, it makes sense. And then you get into it and see, sure, there's like whatever issues that flare up in your city, in your county, in your state, but also within your locker room, there's a flare up. But I haven't seen anywhere some any sort of policy that says, hey. If you have this many cases, you guys need to make this call because the city isn't going to step in. The county isn't going to step in. And I think we kind of just found this first little, I don't know if you call it a loophole, but just a flaw in the plan where these schools can just say, hey, we're going to keep it going, even though we have this many tests.
1: There's there's definitely going to have to be a lot of self accountability, and we're actually going to get into this just given everything that's happening at UCLA because I think it's a a good way to segue into that. But uh, before we do, just bringing up you know this whole self accountability thing, I did see I think it was the Tampa Bay Lightning chose to shut down their facility, mm-hmm. and like obviously Florida is has been a state that's been very open about you know we're reopening sports come here if your states won't allow it they've basically been you know we're not scared of it and whatever, we're not getting into that. But I just think it's a it's interesting that Tampa Bay was like, you know, they had the awareness and to shut it down. You know, I, I didn't read like super into this, so hopefully I'm not just like giving them <laughs> yeah. a ton of credit for like <laughs> doing the bare minimum here. But I think that's what it's going to take. It's going to take, you know, some of these teams being like, Uh, we've got too many cases. We better shut it down for, you know, a week to 10 days, sanitize everything and and reassess.
0: And, you know, I've only been around like big time power five college football for like 10 months now. But in those 10 months, I mean, this isn't like a shot at the buffs or anything, but like the people who run those programs are under an extreme amount of pressure to win a lot of football games. And that will definitely be clouding their judgment when it comes time to decide should we turn or like shut down the facilities for a week? Should we say, hey, guys, please don't work out together for one week, two weeks? Like, say you're at Clemson, just because so many people probably have it. Uh, They're the 23 positive tests. You can take those people away right away, but they've been in contact with so many others. They live with people who, likely haven't tested positive yet and they're going to get it and they're going to go out. And that's just the way all of this works. And there's, there's just so many pieces at play because that part of you does think 23 of them have it. They're going to be over it by the start of July likely. And then Clemson is one step closer to herd immunity. And maybe Dabo Sweeney just infected all of them to try to get to that point. And like, I don't think so, but it's college football. <laughs> the, and I'm not going to knock any conspiracy theory.
1: There's the, the take of the century. Dabo and Nick Saban have their, they want COVID now so that they can be ready for the college football playoff.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's like one of the things that they could talk about because like, it, it, it'd be terrible for like a whole bunch of reasons. But there's, I mean, when you look at the Buffs, for example, with the two positive k- tests, two positive tests, they've reported, we don't know who but, uh, we do know the number. If those are shut off now, and then in two weeks, there are two more people who test positive and those are clamped down, and nobody else gets it, then when everybody returns to campus, um, say, like the last week of August, whenever students get there, they're all going to be carrying it. that whole the disease is going to get passed around campus, and it's going to get to the football team, and they're going to all. I mean, this is kind of my doomsday scenario. I shouldn't say they are going to get, but there's a chance that a lot of the team gets it and then you're in trouble going into the first couple of games of the season.
1: Yeah, it's it's really going to be interesting if if somebody gets disrupted like right at the beginning of the season, like you're mentioning, because then obviously that just throws off everything because, you know, if if one team shuts down, do they shut down everything? Is it like you're just trying to isolate those individuals? Is it a one-week thing? Is it a two-week thing? Like, at that point, are you forfeiting games? Like, it's just this, Yeah, it's, it's all unknown, you know? It's, it's un- un- unknown, it's fun to, to debate and talk about, but the common theme of this summer
0: is just, we don't know. And I think that's why I'm finally getting back into this, like, pessimistic stage because for the last month, every time I've talked to somebody, it's felt like they felt in control of the situation. You know, whether that's Rick George saying we have these policies in place, we know what to do in these situations, we're going forward, we're opening our facilities here, that's going to work because we have A, B, and C policies in place to make sure it works. And when you listen through all that, it makes so much sense. And everything was going well until we get back to this uncertainty again. And then again, it's up in the air. You can dream up as many scenarios as you want. I mean, like you were saying, what if it hits right before the right before a game, like you imagine you're Clemson with 23 players who have it. Those 23 can't play. Anybody they've come into contact to can't play. The other team, if you have five people who test positive, likely doesn't want to play you because they don't want their guys to get sick. Uh, this is off topic. But did you see the picture of the helmet that like the NFL reportedly is interested in making with Oakley? Is that legit though? I don't think so.
1: Okay. As, I it hope looks it
0: looks like something straight out of Halo.
1: It does. It's like a hybrid football lacrosse type helmet looking deal, but.
0: But with a whole yeah. bunch of plastic, so you can't really see. Like you have like your. You have right here, but that's about it.
1: I mean, it would be super intimidating to see like Von Miller coming at you wearing that
0: thing. That's true. That's true. I wonder if some teams could just like adopt it for that reason.
1: <laughs> the, the, no, we don't even care about the functionality of the whole thing. We just think it looks cool.
0: Yeah, it's like Bama says. Oh, this is really expensive. Nobody else can afford it. Let's well, just buy it, it just and then pull rocket just because we can and nobody else can.
1: Well, uh, Texas would come out and be like, nobody's gonna outdo us, and yeah, then everybody exactly. would have it. But
0: uh, speaking of Texas, thirteen, right? Yeah, thirteen confirmed cases plus they had four who tested positive for the antibody, meaning four players had it. Alabama, we're talking about, As are, are they still only five positive tests? The last that I saw, yeah. But like that's really getting back to the point here. That's the thing is that this isn't just happening in one or two places. It seems like pretty much everywhere is finding some positive tests.
1: And that's what's so concerning about it, especially mm-hmm. when you think about all of the travel involved with college football mm-hmm. and how that comes into play. You know, like, CSU alone. You look at the non-conference schedule. It's, yeah, you got CU coming to Fort Collins, but you're supposed to go to Corvallis, Oregon. You're supposed to go to Nashville, Tennessee. I think, I mean, just the distance covered in that three-week span. The amount of people that you would come in contact with over that one month—it's—it's it's astronomical. And that's where you kind of get into the well—is it—is any of this even possible? But then, you know, the other side of me comes out and is like, well, you know, how much money is at stake? So they're going to they're gonna find a way. And
0: Players. so I think it's
1: just me talking myself into, you know, they're going to find a way to make college football happen. But the reality is, is if they don't, these athletic departments are going to be screwed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, on the Buffs pod, we talked, uh, because the Athletics, Stuart Mandel came out with a great article about Uh, Power 5 TV deals projecting the payout per team from each conference um, every year for the next 10 years. And essentially, the Buffs are supposed to jump from like $30 million from the Pac-12 year to $60 million based on whatever firm's projection. And they were saying that's kind of how some of these schools may be saying we can get through this is because we're about to hit these new TV deals. We got payday coming. For like CSU, just because I'm not so up on the like Mountain West deals, do you know if something like that is coming? Like if the TV deal is up? Like, well, they did the Mountain West just signed a new TV
1: contract this past offseason with Fox. Um, it was an increase for all the member schools. I can't, I can't remember exactly how much money that each program is making for for, per year, but my guess is it's. Even with the increase, it's you know no more than like eight or nine million dollars a year, probably per school. Mm-hmm. Boise gets a larger sum because I guess they're special. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I have a lot of takes on Boise State. I'm I'm not i I'm not a popular person in Boise, Idaho. Let's just say that. Like, oh, wow, I've I've come at the Buffs a few times, but nothing like the shade that I throw at Boise State.
0: Wow, trash
1: ass blue field.
0: But um, I agree there. Oh, I agree there. Can we j-
1: just for like 20 seconds go completely off topic and yep. talk about how ludicrous that blue field is? Watch a game <sighs> for 30 minutes on it and tell me it's not the most annoying thing that you've ever seen. I get a migraine every single time, you know, and, I, and even, I don't even care that I sound like an
0: old dude right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's even worse than a blue field. What? Red field? Washington's red field that the Grizzlies have to play on every other year, Montana, where I'm from, but that is just painful, especially because like the, the FCS camera work and the cameras, I mean, it's definitely a step below anything that we see here watching college football in Colorado. And so like the red just kind of like fades in over everything. And so it's, it's, it's almost like feels like there's a red haze as well. And you're just like, Oh my goodness, this is brutal to watch. Um, plus the team is usually pretty good, which makes it even more frustrating.
1: Well, I mean, that's obviously the case with Boise state too, you uh, know, yep.
0: yeah. <laughs> nothing uh, worse
1: than when you absolutely hate someone and they just dominate you. But, um, yeah, so back <laughs> on track, we'll get back onto COVID. Sorry, sorry, Boise, but not really.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, actually to not get back on track, the buffs only have the one bye week this year and it's the week that Montana plays at Eastern Washington. Who should both be competing for the big sky title? So I'm thinking I'm gonna have to get out there and see that red field for myself. And then maybe like spit up. If we're able to travel, let's do oh, it. Let's oh go my out goodness. There. I totally forgot that now, now college football is in doubt again. They're probably fans. Never mind. Um okay. Uh before we move along to uh talking about the UCLA stuff, which we kind of hinted at uh when we talked about like the trust. That the players need to have in their schools to defend them and do what's best for them. Um, before we get into that, though, we want to talk about the 15 can sampler from Breckenridge Brewery. Um, and I'd like to st- start the conversation by asking you, Justin uh, you will not be at the DMBR bar tonight for the Blades fight, but if you were, what would be your first beer? What are you feeling today?
1: It's a Saturday, it's a little bit warmer in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. I think I got to go Strawberry Sky because it's feeling like summer today. You know That's a good mean? one. It's, it's been kind of rainy, kind of gloomy the last couple of days. Let's bring Strawberry Little Sunshine
0: into the mix. Mm, I like it. I was thinking I might have to go after the uh, uh, Mountain Mosaic. See, That's- I haven't had that yet, so
1: I might go with that just because I'm curious and the can is so cool.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like It's it's not my favorite of the beers, but it's like still a really good beer. And it's close enough that on a day like today, I can just be like, huh.
1: How would you describe it? Like
0: if somebody (sighs) is going to order it, you know, is it? I mean, it's sour. Yes, it is. I think there might even be like somebody said there was a little bit of pineapple in it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is. Yeah. And I personally couldn't taste the pineapple, but I'm not really known for my like in-depth tasting and smelling and like just noticing that sort of thing. All I know is that I had a great night and it was a member beer. So it was the 22 ounces instead of the 16 ounces, which makes it even better. Um, Always, always the way to go. The
1: member beer, super clutch.
0: It's so good. It's so good. Uh, Yeah. And so if you guys want to try some Breckenridge beers, you can come to the DNVR bar whenever you want. We've got a whole bunch on tap. You can also hit up Davidson's South of Denver. Um, they have two locations, Davidson's Beer Wine Spirits, can't do better than that. It's also in pretty much every grocery store, every King Supers, the gas stations. Uh yeah, gas stations sell beer here. Um and uh liquor stores. Is there anywhere else? I guess like I think restaurants. We covered it, grocery yeah. stores. I mean yeah, for a while restaurants
1: were directly selling beer, but I think I think we're kind of past that phase at this yeah. point. Yeah. Anyways, check out the Breck Beer Locator if you have any doubts. It'll tell you exactly where the closest liquor store, grocery store, gas station, convenience store, whatever
0: else we might have missed. And you should also check out DraftKings because DraftKings is an incredible service uh, for people like me who like to wake up at about 7 every morning on Thursdays and Fridays and then through the weekend to turn on a golf tournament And just kind of chill, you know, spend a couple hours in bed watching golf, move over to my desk, turn the TV so I can see the TV from my desk and just kind of have a golf tournament going on all the time. But what makes it even more fun is that I can win money from that. Not only am I like doing my job by sitting at my desk while I'm watching golf, I can make money on the golf part too through DraftKings. Um, So far I haven't, but that's on me. Uh, Justin, have you been watching any golf?
1: You know, I have. I've been watching a lot more UFC than golf and another great way to get involved Uh on DraftKings Sportsbook. Hit up that odds boost on Amanda Nunes last week. Clear about 50
0: bucks on a $10 bet. That was easy money, baby. So easy. So easy. easy. Uh, Any other easy money in the UFC today? Well, obviously,
1: our man, Curtis Blades. Let's go. Look, he's a heavy, heavy favorite, guys. So... Maybe not the not the greatest financial return, but if you want to talk about a lock, my DraftKings sports pick of the week, without a doubt, is Curtis Blades to just take it home tonight. If you saw his tweet, he's confident. He's rocking the DNVR mask. He's rocking the DNVR T-shirt. He's a bad, bad dude in the best way possible. I can't wait to watch him dominate tonight. So stoked for Curtis Blades.
0: For any of you bus fans who listen to my two picks for uh, the golf tournament who both missed a cut. Um, I would say put whatever money is remaining on Curtis blades because he's fired up. Like I was watching the bet show that he was on talking about his fight and listen to that for sure. So good. But then even yesterday when Dre and RK were on DNVR bets, you guys should check out too. If you guys are like betters or just watch sports and want to hear what's going to happen in them. Like, I guess maybe it's a spoiler, but I'm trying to make you money. I mean, we, we aren't doing that, and Dre and RK are doing a much better job than I am so far. But they were talking about the fight, and RK was basically explaining that since since Blades is pretty close to getting a chance to get a title fight or like a big fight like that, he is in kind of a weird place because right now there's two really old guys at the top of the heavyweight division. They've fought each other a couple times and like swapped who's won. So they're likely going to fight one more time in August and then just both retire. Francis Ngannou will be the top remaining. Is a beast. He'll be like the de facto champion. He's going to have to fight somebody to be the actual champion though. Blades would be kind of the obvious pick except that he's already lost twice to Ngannou. And so what he needs to do to get into that title fight is really make a show tonight against Volkov and do something crazy so that people are fired up and Dana White can justify throwing him into that fight with Nganu for a third time.
1: Make it happen. We want it. The people want it. Denver wants it. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Just enter the code DNVR when you sign up. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times play-through. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
0: Well, there we go. All right. Uh, next up, we want to talk about what's going on at UCLA. Um, because... You know, obviously, it's it's big news. It's a big school. It may not be a football powerhouse by any means. But, you know, when something happens there with Chip Kelly, it's going to attract attention. On top of that, it is kind of setting a, a precedent, maybe, because what happened is UCLA football players have asked for third-party officials to oversee... The, the, the health protocols are put into place properly. They want doctors in the gym essentially to make sure that everybody's following all the rules. A lot of people have read into this that they don't trust Chip Kelly to follow the guidelines. They think he is going to do whatever it takes to win and the coaching staff will be the same thing. You know, there's a bunch more to the report. Apparently it's like team leaders who got down in a video call And not the whole team, but they kind of decided that they needed to do this. Um, What is kind of your first reaction to hearing that story, Justin?
1: I think from the outside looking in, the thought of having a third party come in and monitor this isn't necessarily the worst idea in the world anyways. But what really stands out to me is this is just an indictment of the lack of trust that UCLA football Mm -hmm. players have for their coaching staff. And if I'm, you know, the, the president, the chancellor at UCLA, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, we pay this man how much money to publicly embarrass us continually, to never win, to not do anything. And now you have players who are willing to put their name behind it. This wasn't anonymous. When the starting quarterbacks, starting running backs are willing to put their name behind something that says, hey, I don't trust my head coach. Fire alarms, man. Fire alarms. (laughs) Somewhere Chip Kelly is sitting in a burning house.
0: He is that meme. This is fine. (laughs) Uh, You know, and that's exactly right. But then uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback, went to Twitter after all this went down, after the story comes out, all that and said, number one, no one said they didn't trust Coach Kelly. Number two, majority of players talked about these demands, but only a handful were willing to have their names publicly written. Don't turn this into a feeding frenzy on coach. This is about the safety of the program as a whole. So, I mean, he did what he had to do. That's what I'm reading into that. That's you know, a smart.
1: That's a quarterback that understands how this yes, is all going to play out, but that doesn't change my opinion of anything that's happened.
0: And I would agree. I would agree there. Um, it's crazy, though. It's, it's crazy to see this, but we're, again, we're just kind of living in crazy times. Boy, I hate when people say things like that. Um, Here's but, my
1: question for you about Chip Kelly, though.
0: Yeah. How many times
1: does Chip Kelly have to completely crash and burn before we accept the fact that what he did at Oregon 10 years ago was great, but he's past his prime?
0: Yeah, and that's kind of the weird question because... He's going to land somewhere else when they move on from him. Mm -hmm. he will will. always get hired again. And the, the interesting thing at this point in his career, because it is almost over is that you can start to see what will be written about him in terms of like the football history books, like who was chip Kelly. And for a while there, we thought like he's going, he he has a chance to be one of the the great head coaches of his generation. I I don't think anybody was going to say like all time, but if he continues that Oregon success rides that out, you could see how he can do that. Now, with the way his career has turned, he's more of just like an innovator in my, in my mind. He, he had some great idea, was able to parlay that into success at Oregon. That idea was stolen by uh, pretty much every NFL team, all of the college football world. And he, he really does have his fingerprints on like the modern offense. The problem is he never like adjusted. He didn't have the people skills. Maybe he didn't have any of other pieces to be more than that in terms of like what he's remembered as. That's how I see him at least. I think that's a good way to put it.
1: I think we've seen, you know, I'm not trying to take away from what he accomplished and that's why I tried to premise it. I mean, obviously everything he did with Mariota and all those spread mm-hmm. offenses at Oregon, it was a lot of fun, a lot of top 10 ranked teams that yeah. went to a national championship, all that stuff. But Right now, when I think of Chip Kelly, that's not the first thing that I think of. I think of the disaster in Philadelphia and everything that went down with Deshaun Jackson. And now when I have this incident come down, knowing, that, knowing his history and you know, kind of, of not earning the trust of his players, I mean, that's really what happened in Philadelphia. That entire locker room turned on him.
0: Yeah, that happened. Well, and then he went to San Francisco. And when he went to San Francisco, you know, I, I because forgot of,
1: about that. Yeah. Because
0: everything that's going on in the world, like you got to go back and watch at least a few Colin Kaepernick games. So you have a, a better understanding of was he actually a good football player his last, last year in the NFL. I'm just of curiosity, going back and watching those games with Chip Kelly. It's like, that is the worst team I've ever seen. Like the offense he put together, everything that was going on. It's like, boy, are you good at read options and literally nothing else. Like, like they're just, I, uh, I don't know. I think again, I think once we separate ourselves from right now, a lot of like the Philadelphia stuff will fade away. Um, the, the San Francisco stuff pretty much already has faded away. Really? I think honestly, the UCLA stuff fades away. We don't need to go down this rabbit hole too far, but speaking of Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback, I do think there's a chance he does break out this year. I, I think that that's on the table. And if that happens, then maybe things shift. I wouldn't bank on it, though. And I think that you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, when people say Chip Kelly, it will just be those Oregon teams with the spread and the running backs and all that kind of stuff. And he'll, he'll have his fingerprints on the game, but he won't be remembered as one of the greats.
1: Definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, like... Of course, yeah. (laughs) I'm not even sure he'd be in the conversation with, like... Like, I think people like Jimbo Fisher are probably going to get talked about more than Chip Kelly. And part of that will just be bigger programs, you know, winning a national championship at Florida State. I know he hasn't really accomplished anything he set out to at Mm A&M. But, I don't know, it's just interesting, the whole debate and legacy and how fast all of this changes. I mean, you look at Chip Kelly... You look at Jim Harbaugh, there was a a point, I think we've gone over this before, back when Harbaugh talked to, you know, came out with his controversial or non controversial stuff or whatever. (laughs) Everything Harbaugh says is controversial at this point. (laughs) But uh, there was a point, you know, where Harbaugh was kind of in that conversation, at least nationally. I always thought he was a little bit overrated, but, you know, people were like, is he better than Urban? Is he the next Nick Saban? Is he this? Is he that? Well, now, Turns out no. Now, now, now where is he at? You know, he's yeah. in the middle of the pack big Ten team.
0: Yeah, exactly. Another interesting one for me, just because of the Pac-12 ties, like where does Chip Kelly compare to somebody like Mike Leach? You know, because it's the same like revolutionary in a lot of ways in the way he runs that air raid offense, no national championships. Like <laughs> you don't have anything big to hang your hat on. I think Mike Leach is probably
1: more revered just because he's such like a weird guy and everybody seems to yeah. love him. But I mean obviously Chip Kelly had a lot more success. There is an argument no. that he had a significant ad- advantage in terms of, you know, resources and everything at Oregon versus Wazoo, but it is it is that is a fun comparison. I'd love yeah. to like compare some of their peak offenses and see like who was more successful.
0: Yeah. Wow. That might be like a good film room. Mike Leach versus Chip Kelly looking through like their best offense. I don't know. That could be fun. Yeah. I don't know. Here's a, here's a question though. Getting back to the topic. Do you think we're going to see more players ask for the oversight to make sure their rules are enforced outside oversight? Or do you think this will be limited to just UCLA? I'm not sure it'll be
1: just UCLA, but I don't think that it's going to be like a revolution or anything like that. Honestly, man, I feel like most college football players just want to play college football. I'm not even saying necessarily that it's, like, the best decision or all of that, but, like, when it comes down to it, I think most of these guys, like, we just want to play ball, and I don't think that they're going to put as much thought into it as maybe even they should, you know? It's tough to blame them. There's a lot at stake, you know? You're losing a year of your livelihood. Some of these guys that are fringe NFL draft guys, like, There's a lot like there's potentially a lot to lose, but it's also at the same time. It's like, how much risk are you comfortable with? I guess that's what it all will come down to.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I I agree. What about you? I mean, do you think it's going to be like a a widespread thing?
0: I mean, I hope so, because I think then you're real close being able to start a union, which changes the face of college football. And because I mean, that's kind of what the players just did at UCLA like they kind of did just go all in together and say like have their own discussions and say like, we need this. And if they were to do that, if all the other schools were to do that, or like a bunch of others, then maybe there's some communication between them. And that's how you get the union. And again, the union is the key to everything for college football players, which is why the NCAA will do whatever it takes to shut it down. But I mean, that's like, if you want college football, video game, that's how you're getting a college football video game. You want players to get paid. That's how that's happening.
1: Um, my you biggest argument against the union, and and I agree with you on this. It's it, or it's not my biggest argument. I guess the the argument that comes up, I guess, yeah. with the union, is that you're putting a lot of individual responsibility on one you know particular group of players to basically fight this against the NCA, knowing they're going to come at you with everything, and that it's always just kind of come down to like, they only have a couple of years. Yep. Do, do you want to risk losing it all for, you know, potentially to get this union that may or may not improve a lot of things? It's, it's interesting, mm-hmm. but we, I do feel like for the first time maybe ever the players have enough leverage to where if they really wanted to make it happen, I think they probably could.
0: Yeah. And again, that's the key point is that if, if they're only there four years, you're just rotating through players. I mean, your first year, you're totally confused your second year you're still not in a leadership position then your junior and senior year you have the biggest things to focus on of your life in terms of like trying to give yourself an NFL football career exactly when you look at the NFL you look at the NBA guys who are around 10 15 years you know Kyrie Irving from what from my understanding of the situation basically is the reason that all of this got shut down or harder again for the NBA and you think yeah it's Kyrie Like and whatever thoughts you associate with that particular person, but how long has he been in the NBA now? Eight years. Nine years. So somewhere, somewhere around there.
1: Not quite a decade,
0: but almost. Yes, exactly. You, You know, he's been around so long; he does have a good grasp of what the league is like, and they are able to like build into those roles. You just don't have time to do that in college football. But now that there is this real focus maybe not on building a union in particular, but in terms of student-athletes' rights, um, black rights, all of these issues that are kind of flaring up, on top of the fact that there is this health push at the same time, if there is going to be a union formed, this would seem like the time that it would happen.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, if if it ever is going to happen, a time like now is probably when you would have enough public support and, and everything else to kind of push it all through.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: like I said, it all just comes down to are these players willing to fight for that, knowing we're only going to be here for a couple of years? I only have so much of a time to make a name for myself. If I go out and speak against the NCAA, is it going to impact my playing time? Are, you know, are my coaches going to back me up on this? Or is it going to be a situation where they try and force you out? So there there are just so many factors that that go into something like this that, you know, you you maybe don't think about as just like the average college football fan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just all pretty crazy right now. Just (laughs) the whole world. That's just 2020 in general. It's just just crazy. I know. But the crazy thing is I keep thinking about 2020 and it's just like, okay, what? Half done. Everybody puts their head down, does like, like focuses, fixes, whatever the problems are this could still be considered like a win of a year. You know, there's still plenty of time left. Oh, Henry, I appreciate I, your optimism. I don't know. It just seems like everybody's just like sitting here like, oh, 2020 keeps happening to us. And it's like, no, you get to you get to pick it. You just go make the world better and the world will get better. Like stop saying it and be like, wow, bad things keep happening. <laughs> like, yeah, because you didn't go try to make a good thing happen instead. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we don't need to get into <laughs> my world philosophies though. Uh, But what we do need to get into is... Mike Gundy. Well, actually Strava Craft Coffee, but we'll get to Mike Gundy as well. <laughs> Mike Gundy needs some Strava Craft Coffee. Mike Gundy needs something, that's for sure. Needs a haircut. Uh, what do you think the Strava Craft Coffee would help Mike Gundy with specifically? I think maybe if he
1: was just like, if he was really relaxed because... His body had, you know, the perfect amount of CBD to keep his Mm -hmm. his entire just body relaxed and 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 chilled out. I don't maybe like that. Think for like two seconds before he
0: comes out and makes an ass of himself. I don't know. You think Mike Gundy drinks like five cups of coffee a day or no coffee? Because I think it's one or the other. I think you. I think
1: Gundy's a a one cup of black coffee, but then like four to five diet
0: cokes Mm -hmm. type guy. Uh, okay. I bet you drink so many Diet Cokes. Yeah. I'm just trying to imagine him. I'm 40. Exactly. 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 Um, but for people like us who have good taste in coffee and might be a little bit more well-connected with the world around us, um, make good decisions more often than Mike Gundy, uh, we pick Strava craft coffee because it is the best coffee you will find. It's CBD infused. That means it can help with anxiety with depression um all the mental things that may be happening to you during the things that 2020. are happening to the world right now yeah 2020 uh, so so check it out and and use the code dnbr20 because you can get 20 percent off your order and you can get it shipped straight to your door you can't beat that deal okay i, I wish everything could get shipped straight to my door i've been I've i would been. never leave if i didn't have to I've been getting like two packages a day. So like on my desk, I, I've I've had like two pairs of headphones just like sitting on my desk all the time. So I was like, "Huh, what if I got must hooks be nice on me. my desk?" Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got like hooks to put on my desk, like specific headphone hooks because I was like, "Why don't I hang my headphones? Why do I just leave them on my desk?" And so from Amazon, I got two pack of headphone hooks for eight dollars, free two day shipping, like. Why not just have that delivered to you? Why would I go to a hardware store? Because I don't care enough, honestly, because I don't care enough where my headphones are to actually drive somewhere. But for $8, if they'll bring it to me, I can stick them up there and now we're good to go. That's a good point and the the is right? Yep. I got my double-sided tape from there the day before. It's like seven bucks. It is kind of wasteful in terms of the things I throw away, I did realize. I get my groceries delivered. I'm straight delivery. I, I don't have to leave anymore. What do you do with all the packaging? Uh well, I keep too much of it because I think like a
1: fort or something.
0: uh, See, that'd be a good idea because like you you keep all the boxes because you're like, oh, I always whenever I need a box, I don't have a box. But then that only happens like every nine months is what I've realized. Like I actually have a need for a real just like cardboard box, but I have a whole bunch now. It's kind of the opposite problem. Somebody
1: always has a box like. I know. And I if you didn't have one, someone has a box you can if, have.
0: Yeah, I know. And it's like, there, there are so many things that I would like to buy for myself. I'm like, I, I can't buy for myself because I can't justify it. But if if there was like, a, I need a box this size, I'm also tempted to buy this. Like, I need a new shelf. Why not just go buy that shelf, use it as a way to justify it, and then do whatever work it takes the box to do, you know? Balance out with a reward. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Does what Mike Gundy did make sense to you, Justin? You know, this was an interesting
1: situation. (laughs) Um, Look, man, Mike Gundy is free to wear whatever t shirt he wants. Like, that's, we're not arguing that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, as we saw, his players are also free to call it out for what it was, which is not great because. OAN is not great, but... Um, That's
0: what they teach think, in journalism school.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd, I'm i trying to, like, stay on track here and not get, like, yeah. super into it. I know, like there's, there's like... Type stuff. But the thing that stands out to me on this is the same thing that stands out to me with UCLA, and it's player empowerment. We saw a situation where an Oklahoma State running back was able to come out and create enough public pressure that Mike Gundy had to release a video basically with his tail between his legs and say, you know, I am a dumbass for wearing this. Sorry, my bad. You know what? I I don't think this would have happened that long ago.
0: Oh, I agree. I agree. That's something that gets brushed on the rug so quickly. That's something that I, it's something that a player likely doesn't even call out. I, I oh, absolutely.
1: Just for fear of retaliation, like everything we talked about it with the union stuff. you know, these coaches, they have all the power, all the control, or at least that's how it's always been traditionally. And we're seeing, especially with social media, where, you know, they, they can't filter the message for the players like they can before a press conference. The players can get their message out, it spreads before the school can do anything. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, the school basically just has to react.
0: Yeah. And you talk about that power that college coaches have, you know, maybe I was kind of naive before I got into college football, but I always knew that they had power. I always knew that they obviously had full control, but I thought, well, they understand they're, they're good leaders who are taking care of their players. And like, that really is the focus. And, you know, two years now I've been covering college football and that's not to say that every coach that I've been around is a bad person, but I have seen plenty of the coaches who understand they have the power, but also know that they need to have the power for everything to work, to be able to be in control, to project the aura they need to project. And it's kind of a problem. It is a problem. Look, it's not. It's not an easy thing to be a college
1: football coach. Let's no, it, it's really not. And and we're not doing this whole thing to like. You know, be like every college football coach is a terrible person and is selfish and only cares about himself. That's not true. I know a lot of great college football coaches. I've been, you know, in college football now for well, in media for about four years. And I worked for CSU for a couple years before that. So I've been around it for you know for about six or seven years now. And I've met just countless great people. But at the end of the day, it's a bottom line business. There's a lot at stake for these coaches. You know, we talked about everything that's at stake for these players and and wanting to play. Same deal goes for the coaches. If you don't win, they fire you immediately. Doesn't matter when. Could be two days before Christmas. You're out. Yeah, And that's a weird balance of trying to, you know, wanting to connect as a human being, wanting your players to trust you, wanting to earn their respect. But also, like you said, you know, wanting to have control of everything because at the end of the day, they're just trying to keep their jobs.
0: Yeah. And their job is to have control of everything, to be able to manage the players, to be able to manage the boosters, to be able to manage the other coaches, to be able to manage the, the relationships with the athletics department, all the people who work for them there, the equipment staff, the recruiting staffs, the all of those people everywhere. And if you're constantly putting, up fi- putting out fires because whatever, there's some rebellion among the coaches, the coaches don't like that you decided that you're going to go for it on fourth down late. And now they're all kind of, Fussy, they're giving you some looks. Like if you have to deal with that, it's taking away from everything else. And we have those fires popping up throughout all these different groups of relationships, it just doesn't work. But at the same time, giving unchecked power to people who are given a bunch of privacy. There isn't a lot of you know media access to the practices. And in in journalism school, you talk about this stuff all all the time, like the ethics of it and whether that's okay. all that kind of stuff. But the truth is, like, it is kind of dangerous to put somebody in control and say, here's these 100 kids. And for the most part, it goes great. But there are a couple of scenarios where it doesn't go all that well. We're kind of off of the Mike Gundy topic. but 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 that power dynamic is very real. And it's something that can be exploited if the coach just decides to exploit it. It definitely can. But I just think, Especially
1: in 2020 and, and not trying to be like millennials, social media, all this, all they do yeah. is tweet. <laughs> but the reality is, is you just, even as secretive as these universities are, if you do the wrong thing, it will come out. And that's, at some point, I just, I want to see like if some of these schools just finally realize, hey, we can't hide this kind of stuff. Yeah, like look at Iowa and their strength and conditioning coach and everything Mm -hmm. that went down there. I'm pretty sure, like a year or two ago, I saw a sports center feature that talked about how he was like the best dude in the country and revered and all this. And then it turns out he's like a potentially racist, you know, asshole.
0: Wow, use my language there, guys. Sorry, I couldn't think of a better. uh, Truth. It's the truth. I mean. Ah, and that's so crazy. And we haven't even gotten into the, you know, the OAN stuff. It seems like with pretty much everything there is to talk about with college football these days, you have to, like, walk carefully through the first, like, two steps of the conversation, three steps of the conversation. Then you can actually just talk about it. Just, like, make sure you're, like, balancing it all correctly up until that point. And, And that's kind of the trouble with the OAN stuff. But we haven't even talked about when... Mike Gundy allegedly called Alfred Williams and others on the buffs defense the N-word in a game back in the what late 80s? That's not something that you have to tiptoe around. Like that, that is just very blatantly not okay to do.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean,
0: look, we can't we can't prove it.
1: Maybe there's yep. like a Maybe there's video footage, but the the likelihood of them having it on audio, given that it was a game in the late 80s, it's not like 2015 or 2020 where they have mics everywhere. But I, I don't see why Alfred would lie about that. Other teammates, I know Canavis McGee backed up his statement. To this day, Alfred Williams stands behind it. And it, it's not
0: just coming out now. He said it at no. the time. Like, it's been 30 years we of do, him yeah. saying, yeah, remember when he called, called me the N-word? And everybody on the team being like, oh, yeah, we all remember that. And Mike Gundy being like, I would never. And now we're just kind of finally getting to the point where we're having that conversation. And again, it's just another rough look for Gundy.
1: Look, people People show their true colors eventually. You cut your grass to find the snakes. And honestly, like, Given everything we know about Mike Gundy, I think you can probably come to a pretty, you know, accurate assessment of the type of dude that he kind of is. He's a, he's a guy who's won a lot of football games, but he's a guy who very clearly has some uh, some pretty messed up thoughts. Yeah, you know? like I'm, I don't know. I don't really. If you call somebody the N word, that's not like a that's not a slip, you know, that's, that's not a, yeah. Oh, I, you know, my bad. Yeah. And you that's know, a very intentional decision.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and it does seem like maybe we're moving past just like cancel culture, like where it just, you did this, we're just done because it has been kind of interesting looking through the Gundy thing because he released the video with Chuba Hubbard first and Chuba Hubbard, the running back who called him out, like the star of that team they released the video talking through it, and everybody's like, eh, he didn't really apologize. I'm not sure if we take it. And then he does another video where he releases it. Well, like a week earlier, a week and a half earlier, Drew Brees says what he says about um, people kneeling during the flag, puts out his apology, and everybody's like, uh, that's not all that great. And then he goes back, and there's some other conversation, and, and he jumps in. I guess uh, now we're getting politics. I just remembered it was a thing with Trump. But it was, I think, some Trump supporters saying, like, we stand with this. It's a good point. And he had to say, no, I was wrong. That's not how it worked. Put out his, like, whole second thing. it's almost like there's this new thing where it takes two apologies to work. I'm not sure if this is just a couple of instances or if that's, I don't know. Well, I think part of it is just, like, maybe don't make a
1: half-assed apology the first time. Hey, there you go. Look, I have a lot of respect for Drew Brees. I I have an autographed picture of him in my room, I I know people that worked camps with him. He's done just, I mean, crazy good things for the city of New Orleans, especially after Hurricane Katrina. But Breeze messed mm-hmm. up. He messed up. He came out and he owned it. His first apology didn't go great. Second one really went well, and people, you know, they moved on. The thing that kind of bothered me about Gundy and any college football coach would have done it they're not just going to allow him to, like, go rogue and do something independently, but you want your apology to come off a little bit more, I don't know, genuine. Maybe don't do it with a giant Oklahoma state logo, like in a studio with, you know, the Nike and this coming out here, looking like it's a paid promo type deal to me. Yeah. that, That kind of showed everything that I needed to see. It was probably a statement that was written for him. He read it on a camera in a studio. They tried to, you know, make it all great. But at the end of the day, Mike Gundy is Mike Gundy.
0: And we all kind of knew that though, right? Like, is any of this surprising? No, not at all. No, because we kind of know. But, but now it's just kind of like we're in this place where we're willing to say publicly that we we're, that we all kind of thought this and then we had it confirmed. But what kind of is the next step? Like, is this redeemable? Can he just go out there and say like, hey, we're going to work with these organizations We're going to improve the lives of black people in our community. Does something like that start? We'll just have to see,
1: you know, the tough part, like I said, is there is no proof. There's no like, yes, I believe Alfred Williams. I believe Williams teammates and everything. But at the end of the day, it's, he said, he said about something that happened three decades ago. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it was so long ago though, you know, how, to, how, to, how does the team react? I mean, I'm going to be really interested to see, especially if college football ends up, you know, having a traditional schedule. How does Oklahoma State look those first couple of weeks?
0: hmm Yeah, and, and do they keep talking about it? Do they, Is there a push? You have to. You know? It can't be. If, if, if
1: Gundy wants this to go well, if he wants to redeem himself and, you know, have a, be a popular guy again and all this, and some people will probably never like him again.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: just the reality. But if he wants to redeem himself and and go on and have success as a college football coach, he is going to have to prove that he's not that dude. Maybe he used to be. Maybe he's changed. Maybe it's all phony. I don't know. But he's going to have to convince other people that he's changed, especially the people in the locker room.
0: Yeah, and that's really what it's going to be. Otherwise, I I do think that the players will keep saying, like, hey, he said that he was going to work on this. Nothing's happened. And at this point, when there have been players speaking up, you know, Arlington Hambright, the Buffs left tackle last year who was a seventh-round draft pick of the Bears. He was on Twitter, and he was kind of slyly bringing it up, but but he basically said, like, some of those college coaches, they only care about themselves. I was lucky to get out of there. He transferred to Colorado from Oklahoma State. You know, so so he he's another voice of somebody who is in there, and what you really need is – even if nothing changes during the season, you don't necessarily need players to speak up on it. As long as once those players graduate after the season, they're willing to say, hey, nothing changed, so something needs to happen here. Otherwise, this team can't be successful because we can't do what we need to do, to see each other the way we need to see each other. But if that I think that's one route that this can go, or Mike Gundy really can redeem himself by being active, um, trying to not just fix his image, but try to work with his team to fix some of the problems that his team sees in the world. And, and I, I just don't know that's if he's willing key. to do that.
1: Yeah. Um, the, the problem also that you have to consider, though, is it's, it's political. Even post-graduation, you see it a lot. Players are scared to come out and talk about coaches because, you know, you know what? NFL scouts, NFL coaches, they talk to college coaches. It is, you know, people don't get Mm -hmm. drafted because a coach doesn't like them and doesn't give them a good review. That stuff happens all the time. But I think uh, the social media, it's it's a big component of it because you have the ability to gather the people's support basically immediately. You don't have to wait, you know, you don't have to wait for an article to come out. You don't have to Mm -hmm. wait to go on first take or whatever. You put it out there and within minutes, thousands or millions of people have seen it.
0: Yep. Yep, exactly. And, and I still think that players are figuring out how to use that to their advantage. I, I think that we're, we all are. Yeah, you know, the, the, we're starting to see it work. Um, Chuba Hubbard saying, this is a problem, we can't accept this. And then, you know, whether you want to call the problem fixed or not, there have at least been steps taken toward fixing the problem. And uh, I think that you do see more of that. Um I don't know. I think we've pretty much covered all my thoughts here. Do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, only the it's it's kind of
1: disappointing that I can no longer reference. I'm a man. I'm 40, and do it like carefree, and not have to worry about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, is this a bad no. dude? Yeah. that's kind uh-huh. of a bummer. It, it is, but I do think you know it's the balls
0: in his court. No, exactly.
1: It, Look, we're not we're not up here being like, fire Mike Gundy. I'm not a fan of that. If you stuff. had more proof, maybe you well, could Well, then then I could be. It's a tough situation, but yep. I'm, I don't like the guy, but maybe maybe he can change. Maybe maybe he'll prove us wrong.
0: Yeah, and you know, Oklahoma State seems to be giving him that chance. The players need to give him that chance and they need to work together. I don't know. It's just a weird time for college football to have I mean, the topics that we're talking about in this podcast today. My goodness. That's not it's what a college a heavy, football podcast is supposed to sound like,
1: season, man. Like I'm really looking forward to the day when Henry and I can just go like, hang out at the DNVR bar and be like, dude, let's just talk about that wild USC Alabama game or whatever. And yep. just like, oh. like, God, I love college football. You see this play? Like, Oh, I love <sighs> this. Exactly. Oh, and it's revolutionary. Not, you know, you know, look are, at this is offense. the world oh, going to end. Is everybody going to get sick? You know, is everybody a selfish racist? It's just yeah. Like, I don't even, oh, man,
0: I don't know. And I almost said, like, I don't even want to think about are people racist, but it's important to think about that's something we have to do is like not let that stuff go unchecked. And now that players seem to be willing to hold their coaches accountable, that's a huge step there.
1: I think, you know, big theme of of 2020 the get comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's how we're going to create positive change and, and get rid of some of this stuff and maybe not have to have these heavy conversations constantly. That's what it comes down to, to for me. You know, you don't want to have to listen to this type of stuff. Let's make the world a situation to where we don't have to freaking talk about it.
0: Uh, someday, someday. Well, I think that's going to do it for today's podcast. Uh, we will be back next week with another edition. Yeah, we're
1: gonna, we're actually going to be tight on schedule now. I know we've said it for like, since we started the
0: podcast, <laughs> but things are just so crazy. And like the draft, no, pod's it been is the same a weird way. time though. Like, it, re-
1: it really is like, I, I did this DNVR all-time Rams team on, on Xbox 360 and I wrote about it and I had this roster and I ha- I stopped releasing some of the pieces because it just it didn't feel like appropriate you know yeah. we had so many important discussions going on and it was just kind of a situation where I was like well, I don't know what this can wait this can wait a yep. couple of weeks or a couple of months if it has to but these are tough things to talk about but they're conversations that have to be had
0: yep Yep, i will be back next week with another. Hopefully, with some more football. I don't know. Maybe, maybe next week we should uh, try to find our five games each that we're most excited to watch, and we'll touch on whatever else is going on with the world too, because there there will be plenty going be on. Something. <laughs> but, we'll, but let's go through and let's pick the five games we're most excited for. And I you like that. You started that because you brought up USC Alabama, and that is on my list. There's a spoiler. Um, that's going to do it for today. We'll be back next week with more.